Hello and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. Like many of you in the gravel community, this weekend I woke up to the tragic news that Mariah Wilson was killed by gunshot in Austin, Texas over the weekend on her way to the Gravel Locos race. I honestly didn't know how to process it. Mariah had been over my house in Mill Valley for an interview at the end of last year, and I just remember walking away thinking this is one of the friendliest people I've ever met. I would look at her results and have some sense of pride that she was from Mill Valley in San Francisco. She won the Shasta Gravel Hugger, later a surprise victory, maybe not a surprise, but a victory down at the cross-country race at the Sea Otter Classic, and then finally winning BWR in San Diego, all the while building fans and friendships across the gravel cycling community. It's a devastating loss for the world, and I'm at a bit of a loss for what to do. But in some small way, I wanted to honor her by playing this interview again in the hopes that more of you can see just how bright her star has shined and we're going to miss her. So with that, here's the interview I recorded back in December 2021 with Mariah Wilson. Mariah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Craig. Welcome to the backyard. Yeah, great to be here. Great to be in person with you. As I was saying, this is a rare instance for me. I think it's about a dozen people I've got the opportunity to interview face-to-face, so it's awesome to have you as a local guest. Yeah, well, when you're in the Bay, I guess you make sense. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was super stoked to start seeing your name and seeing Mill Valley after it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. earlier in the year, so that was great. But I'd always, I always like to start off the show by just learning a little bit about your background and how you found your way to gravel cycling, because I know it's a fairly recent affair for you. Yeah, it is. Definitely the competitive side of of cycling is pretty new to me, but I have roots in it going back to when I was pretty young. So I guess like a quick background, I grew up in Vermont to pretty active, like outdoorsy family grew up doing a lot of skiing my dad was an alpine ski racer and alpine ski racing coach when I was younger so I got into racing competitively doing that for a while and ended up racing in college and yeah grew up mountain biking with my parents and then my friends in the summers in middle school there's not a lot of to do in the town I grew up in Vermont it was kind of like just a hobby and then I used it to train for skiing as well as I got older. And yeah, so it was pretty like casual, I think for a while. And then when I graduated from college, I moved out to the Bay and bought a gravel bike. And actually it was a cross bike, but I used it as a gravel bike. And I got connected to some women who were trying to race cross and invited me to go to some cross races with them. So I said, why not? Sure. Like, I like to compete. I miss kind of ski racing. And so did that. Ended up racing like a full season of cross in 2019. Went to cross nationals. Did a couple gravel races as well. And then COVID happened that early winter, obviously. And nothing, no more racing for a while. But I just kept getting more and more into riding. Didn't like... Yeah, didn't really step back. Just traveled a lot and rode as much as I could. And then earlier this year, um, signed up for all the races that I could, not really knowing what I would get into and having no expectations really at all on like the results side of things, but just like really excited to do some more racing because I had so much fun in 2019 and yeah, ended up having a pretty great season. Nice. Too. 
Yeah. So when you when collegiate ski racing ended, did you figure that's the end of what you wanted to do in ski racing? And yeah, like ski racing is really hard. It I don't know. There are other sports like running or something where you maybe have avenues after college, but it's a little bit like like biking. But you really need like a solid program and a lot it requires a lot of resources right like you need you definitely need a coach you pretty much need a team to keep doing it and like after college unless you're at a certain level where you're going to world cups or on an olympic trajectory like there's not a lot of like reason to keep doing it so yeah i think most athletes at the end of their college career pretty much like wrap it up the cyclocross scene must have been a fun, attractive way to start cycling. It's yeah. just so irreverent and so often, particularly in the Bay Area, just easy to get to the events. Oh, Were yeah. you sucked in by the community element of it? Yeah, definitely. Like the vibes at cross races are always so fun. Oh, I, cross nationals was amazing. Just like the energy, the heckling, like it's such a fun spectator sport that I think you end up like, yeah, with kind of just a good vibes all around and I really liked that and it did remind me a lot of skiing because I think there's a lot of that in skiing as well and so I think that was attractive to me. (laughs) Did you immediately recognize that you had a great engine for the sport? Yeah I've, I've known that I had a good engine like I've been more naturally I don't know fueled for endurance sports even from a young age probably should have been a Nordic skier instead of an Alpine skier. People tried to convince me to convert, but I was like, no, downhill's too, too more fun. fun <laughs> yeah, too much fun. <laughs> and, but yeah, I had, I grew up or one of my ski coaches growing up was really into biking. And he always said, oh, you could go to the Olympics for mountain biking once you finish skiing. And I always had that in the back of my mind. Oh, maybe someday, like I could become a good cyclist of some sort. And I didn't really know what that meant or what that would look like, but I definitely had an idea that mountain bike racing of some sort would be interesting to try out after college. And I did actually do a bit of cross country racing in high school and college, just dabbled it in a little bit, like one or two races a year in Vermont and really liked it. So thought maybe I would give it a try. That's why I tried the cross thing. Were you living in Marin when you started on the cross bike? No, I was living in the city at the time. Okay. Yeah. Were yeah. you doing longer rides? I know it's obviously cyclocross racing is the shorter course racing, but since the, you have the capable bike, a lot of people ride across the bridge and go into the headlands. Oh yeah. And- no, I was definitely riding in the headlands a lot. Like I wasn't riding, doing as long of rides as I'm doing now because I was still getting into it, but I was building up to at that point, just riding my bike every day, which hadn't been something I'd been doing before that. It was like a ride my bike you know, once or twice a week and then two to three times a week. And so I was just building up at that time. But yeah, the headlands were definitely where I learned to gravel ride, I guess. Yeah. It seems like with the cyclocross race season being in the winter, you've got this bike, you've got these great hills out in Marin. It's natural that you're going to continue to ride. Was it some of your cyclocross friends that sort of talked about gravel racing or obviously you were going to be aware of it? What was the first race that you signed up for? The first race that I did, I think, was Old Growth in 2019. Yeah, that was in August or September, maybe. So I guess it was actually before I did Cross. 
can't quite remember. And then I did Grind Duro as well okay. that year in 2019. So, so, so two quite different races. Old Growth Classic. I find it to be, it was a great adventurous race. Like you just oh, felt yeah. like you were way out there. So fun. Had some really stern climbs in yeah, it. But I will never forget the end of that course, like how steep yeah. that was. It was <laughs> so steep. Yeah, exactly. That's a great one. And then Granduro yeah. obviously is one that tests your full bag of tricks. Right? Yeah. It's got very mountain bikey type stuff. Were you on a mountain bike or on your cross bike? I was on one? my cross bike for that. And yeah, but had a blast. Like I, since I, like have a background in mountain biking it was I felt pretty comfortable on it and I, I think at that by that time I had ridden that bike in the headlands enough that yeah at first I remember riding in the headlands on skinny gravel tires and being like what is this about I need my mountain bike for this and now it's like nothing but yeah the headlands they do have their technical sections at times yeah so. that's why it's great on drop yeah. bar bikes you can make yeah. you know any of this stuff exciting if you go fast enough for sure yeah yeah, yeah. so then presumably you went into a full cross season and then did that drop you at sort of the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 and then i did two grasshopper races i did low gap and Sweetwater, and that was like January and February of 2020. Before everything shut Before down. Before everything shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes quiet and you were doing some other things. And then had you had in your mind that 2021, assuming that events were going to open back up, that you were going to really go for it and register for a bunch of events? Yeah. I like, I was like, I'm going to register for as much as I can. And I signed up for Unbound and everything I could and really just wanted to use the year as like a learning experience. I think like it's rare to go into those events as a beginner, like first timer and see a lot of success. And yeah, I know that like maybe I have the fitness, but I don't, know all the detail I don't definitely still don't have all the details dialed there's a lot I made a lot of mistakes this year that cost me some races and so I had a lot of good learning experiences and that really was just my goal this year and to have had some of the results that I had did have was just like a cherry on the top I guess. Had you forged some of the relationships you must have now with some of the other female athletes that live around this area to get a gauge for oh I can ride with Amity or yeah yeah, I think like between the races that I, I did in 2020 before COVID and then like some of the er, like earlier races this year, like the local ones, I guess I did one or two hoppers and a couple others. I knew that I probably had what it took from a fitness standpoint to compete with the, the top female athletes. Just because there are so many really strong female riders in the Bay. It's yeah. pretty crazy. So it was nice to have that like confidence, I think, going to Unbound and going to some of the other races that draw a wider range of athletes. So Yeah, yeah. That must have been interesting. So going into 2021, signing up for all these races, were you just planning on self-financing? the races or did you have industry yeah. contacts that you could leverage at that point no everything was pretty much self-financed the only thing that like I had one sponsor this past year that was sportful as a kit sponsor and they were able to help me out from a financial standpoint but other than that it was like I'm trying to think I really didn't get any other help it was all just yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny for me as being a fan of the sport 2020 was this 
interesting black box where there was all, particularly on the women's side of the racing scene, there's all these great women coming up and showing like a little glimmer. Maybe they did like a couple races before the pandemic or did some major personal effort like an FKT or Strava hill climbing, all these different things that you're like, gosh, there's a lot of talent out here. Yeah. And then racing starts opening up, but you're not traveling super far. So it's like the Northern California women, you were seeing who was fast in right. the grasshoppers and yeah. other things were going on in the Midwest. And then eventually it all started to come together mm-hmm. when you have like a BWR or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's been super fascinating as a fan to watch all these great women come out of nowhere and see your name on top of the leaderboard. It's been yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was really fun to get to know the group of women that's out there. I think it's such a diverse field coming from lots of different backgrounds and everyone's super strong. And I think on any given day, given whatever conditions, certain amount of luck, like anything could happen. And it's really dynamic racing going on right now. So it's, it's really fun to be a part of. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And you've been tackling things that have very different profiles, obviously BWR San Diego. Yeah. Long, long road sections (laughs) that really pay it, play a big part in it. Yeah. Unbound having that super long distance of 200 miles, Mm -hmm. all these different races draw on different skill sets and you seem to be doing pretty well across the board. Is there an area or type of course that you feel more confident in than others? Yeah, definitely. I think courses that have a lot of climbing definitely suit me. I'm not really, flats are hard for me. I'm not the best group rider, like drafting, holding onto wheels is not something that I've quite figured out yet. I'm working on it really hard. I hope to get a lot better this year. Yeah, so stuff that's got a lot of climbing and doesn't require like a lot of team tactics definitely suit me at the moment. And then anything that's also has some sort of technical component to it, maybe a little bit of single track. I think like that played to my advantage at BWR, even though there were there was so much road in it. And I'm trying to think of what else was like that this year. Well, you went down to Big Sugar, right? Yeah. Big Sugar had a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. And at least the chunky roads require a little bit of confidence going downhill. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of the reasons I enjoy interviewing so many event organizers is that there's such an art to creating these events. And with a mountain bike background, I'm always pro the single track sections, the Mm -hmm. more technical sections. I love that stuff. Yeah. It's so fun. And I think, you know, it, what it's going to be, what keeps the sport interesting Yeah, because you can't road racing dynamics aren't going to play in that type of environment. Yeah. So I always love when an advantage is given to the more off-roady type athletes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to, to see how different courses can favor certain riders and it'll be interesting how, like what to see what happens with the lifetime like grand prix and how because that's such a diverse series you know you've got leadville and then unbound and sea otter and like all those are so different it's cool that there there will be a way to figure out who's the best like diverse rider i guess yeah i think it's really neat that there's an even tighter integration between the mountain epic mountain bike kind of rides and gravel racing these days yeah because I do think that's that's where the fun in the sport is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you heard any word from Lifetime as to like their selection process? Or I'm assuming you're throwing your hat in the ring for that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know what the selection process 
involves i have no idea so yeah we'll see i forget when they did they're like announcing who everyone is i think it's in the next couple of weeks maybe yeah i can't remember i can't quite remember but yeah i'm excited i hope to do it yeah so what what does 2022 look like for you what do you what are some of the races you really want to do well at either because they were just a hell of a lot of fun or you think the prestige is going to be good for your career yeah i think the whole lifetime series uh leadville for sure i think finishing second was so incredible this year but i really want to win the race to be honest like i i want to win that one and i think it suits me really well i had a lot of fun on that course do you have issues being up at elevation I felt amazing. Like I, I actually felt really good at elevation. I did acclimate for a couple of weeks leading up to it, but I, my theory and I have, there's no, nothing scientific about this. I have no idea if this is the case, but because I've spent so much time at altitude as a ski racer, I lived every in November, December, I would move out to Frisco, which is yeah. super close to Leadville. It's like, 9,000, 8,000, 9,000 feet and spend a month there training, going to Vail and Copper. And yeah, so I've lived and trained at altitude in a much different way than like an endurance athlete would train. But I still think that from such a young age, like I started going to Frisco as, I don't know, 12 year old. (laughs) So I think I've have a lot of years of spending time at altitude. And I think my body is has somehow adapted to it is my theory <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the mix between mountain biking and gravel racing is going to look like when your calendar pans out it's hard to say i think it's i think it's going to end up being still quite gravel focused maybe like 70 percent gravel 30 percent mountain if i had to put a percentage on it right now but yeah i definitely hope to do a bit more mountain it's just so fun and yeah i like it so on the gravel side, what are the events you're stoked to go back to and why? On the gravel side, I am excited for Unbound because I want some redemption there. During a race? Yeah, I got, I had, I flatted three times and yeah, had to tube every time and it was just a disaster. Like still finish the race. Like it was good to, I think it was, it was good to face that adversity and have to like adjust my goals and expectations halfway through such a big event like that it was good practice but yeah I remember finishing that race and being like I just want to do it again I want to do it again right now and not be a little bit more prepared like we probably shouldn't have run the tires that I ran and there are some other details that I think after this season I will you know be more prepared for going into all the races and i think going having the determination to fix those flats and still ending up in the top 10 shows you that it's just important to keep moving forward and moving forward just fixing the flat getting back on the bike because you never know what's going to befell your other competitors yeah totally and i think there's a lot to be said for running into sort of those obstacles it's always easy to keep going or it's still not easy but it's easy to keep going when you're having a good day and you don't run into any challenges but when you run into challenges and adversity and it maybe puts an end to the result that you had hoped to accomplish on that day 
it makes it a lot harder to keep going. I def- oh, I had some dark moments <laughs> there where I really wanted to quit. And I was super proud of myself for just keeping going and finishing that race. So. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, yeah. you know, no one can ever take that away from you. So like yeah. anytime you're facing adversity in the future, you're going to look back and say, I know I can do it. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have those sucky moments, but yeah. I'm going to get through it. Exactly. Yeah, I think you learn a lot. You learn a lot more from the challenges that you face than you do from any of the smooth sailing moments. So, yeah, that's one that I'm excited for. I'm excited. I think I'm going to do Rule of Three. I'm really excited for that one. I love Bentonville. I had a great time there this fall. Big Sugar, I think, will always hold a special place in my heart. That was a really fun race. And, yeah, I think the the diversity of that course is going to be really interesting yeah that one looked like a lot of fun yeah and you can always tell i think by some of the riders who have been drawn to it the type of experience that it's going to benefit payson winning over there and talking about yeah how he just understood the skill set of the people around him and Ian talking to Ian Boswell about it. And he's, yeah. I know I'm going to fall apart when I hit the single track. So I'm just yeah. going to do everything I can within the place I know that I can excel. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, everyone's going to have a different strategy, which yeah. is pretty cool. So yeah, I'm excited for that one. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I think I'm going to do Vermont Overland. I skipped that one this year. It just didn't really work with my schedule, but I'm really excited to do that. I'm from Vermont and I've heard amazing things. I love those roads around that area. It's like near where I went to college. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Yeah, you must still have friends back in that scene in Vermont. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's always fun. I did Rooted Vermont this past year and, and that was probably one of my favorite races just from a memory standpoint yeah. the community was so great it was the first time my parents like had watched me got to watch me race and ran into a lot of old friends a lot of old friends from skiing yeah. and from biking and just growing up and stuff and I think the same thing will be the case for Vermont Overland so yeah I really want to get over to Rooted I my yeah. first mountain bike race ever was at Mount Snow oh nice in Vermont because yeah. I grew up on the east coast so I've got like great memories similarly yeah. like it was like an event that my parents came to and it's just so beautiful in that area. Rooted was so fun. Like I loved that course. It was really fast. Yeah, really fast. Some really fun class four sections. It rained, which like I had just, it was like BWR two weeks earlier or something. And BWR was the hardest race I have ever done. It was so hot and like, yeah, I definitely suffered from the heat on that race and then going to Vermont and having it rain and be like really nice temperature was amazing. <laughs> I enjoyed that too. <laughs> yeah. And one thing, the longer you stay here in the Bay Area, the worse you're going to get at riding in hot weather. Yeah, I need to get better at. I, I feel pretty good about how my body at elevation, but the heat is something I need to figure out because I don't think I'm very good at it. Yeah, yeah. So same, like I'm just destroyed from living in the fog belt. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to, there's definitely ways you can adapt your body to it. You need to do some research. Yeah. <laughs> or let's, just avoid those races. <laughs> let's shift gears a little bit. Why don't you talk about the type of equipment you're riding? Like which specific, but like, yeah, what bike, are you, or... what bike are you riding and what kind of, what tire width do you like to ride? Yeah. So I just got a new specialized crux that the one that just came out in october before that i had been racing on 
a diverge, an older diverge. Actually, it's like a couple years old. And I've only raced, let's see, Big Sugar was my first time racing my new Crux. And I could not love that bike more. It is an absolute weapon. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it better. It's so light. So light and so nimble. But still, I feel very comfortable on it and feel like it handles very well and it's very capable. And I don't know. I always, I like... I prefer to be a little bit underbiked. Like I, whenever I only have a hardtail mountain bike, and I, but I, I ride that on trails that most people would ride a pretty big full suspension bike on. I like pushing the limits of what a bike is capable of doing. So, yeah. And then for tires, I have been running Pathfinder 42s on my Crocs. That's what I ran at Big Sugar. That's what I had since I got it, and I've been loving those. Yeah, that seems like a good size. I definitely had been in the 47 camp for a long time, but moved back down to 43s. Because like you, when you have solid off-road capabilities, then you can handle a little bit narrower tire. Yeah. Although for a lot of people, particularly in Marin County, I recommend going as wide as they can. Yeah. Because a lot of times you people that just aren't comfortable going downhill and you look at their bike and it's totally optimized around going up the hill. Yeah. On my Diverge, I was mostly on 38s and I didn't ride it a ton around here, but, and I didn't really like to ride it around here. Now I think that I'm on 42s. I think it makes it so much better. And especially without having the future shock on the crux and having it be just a pretty rigid stiff bike having 48s versus or 42s versus 38s um is is nice yeah it helps a little bit yeah yeah and for the listener you may recall i spoke to ben edwards from specialized at sea otter about that bike so you can get a little bit more details if you go back in your feed and listen to that conversation with ben yeah so have you had any you've had such a great what i'll call a breakout season this year in 2021 Have you been able to navigate the privateer sponsorship model and get a little bit more support going forward? Yes, I have. And it's still still figuring out the final details. And I definitely took my time sorting it all out. I debated maybe joining a team. There were definitely a number of teams that reached out to me and I thought maybe that could possibly be the way to go. But after talking to a lot of people and reflecting on what I want to get out of this really being able to set my own schedule and be in control of where I go and what my sponsors are and all that the privateer like avenue seemed like the way to go so that's definitely where I'm headed and yeah I'll be supported by specialized for next season and Wahoo as well as a sponsor and the feed, if you're familiar with the feed yeah. for nutrition and scratch as well. And then working on a couple others styling in, but I won't say cause they're not Great. finalized yet, but those are the <laughs> ones that are pretty much. And yeah, I'm excited. It's definitely taken some time to sort all that stuff out, but I think, no, I'm pretty excited to be working with those brands and it'll be great to have their support. Yeah, hundred percent. I guess that's a challenge with the privateer model. You just have to be, stay on top of those discussions totally. and meet the right people yeah. and sort of cobble together the right program. That's going to make it all work versus a team maybe handing you a single document that says, here you go, here's right. the support you get. Yeah. There's something certainly that's simple as an athlete. If it's, that's not something you want to deal with, that makes a lot of sense. And, but 
I don't know. I think this is, I, I want to be able to manage the relationships more personally and yeah. And are you going to keep your day job at Specialized for the season? I am for this season. We'll yeah. see what, who knows what's going to happen in the future. I have no idea, but yeah, I'm really fortunate to be part of a great team who has given me a lot of support and flexibility in terms of when I actually work. I definitely take time out of my day to train and work odd hours at times, work on the weekend, work at night. I'm lucky to have that flexibility and that support. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be manageable this year. I'm definitely going to be traveling a lot, but I'm also fortunate that my job is I can do it remote very easily I'll be going to the office but otherwise like doing it on the road is really not too big of a deal yeah that's great it's great to have a supportive employer that just understands like they can give you the flexibility and the nice thing is a lot of times as a cyclist you want nothing more than to be sitting up on a couch with a computer on your lap totally like as when I get home from a long ride I'm like I like I don't want to go like sometimes yeah sitting at my desk or sitting on the couch responding to emails is like the perfect thing that I need to do like it's great yeah like you need that rest and that recovery and it 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 does balance each other out a bit yeah it's been a lot of fun as the listener knows I work at a nonprofit called bike index is one of the things I do with my time and one of our communications director was on the Olympic track program and it was hilarious like getting emails from her immediately after seeing her like race a track world cup or be at the Olympics. It's funny, but she said the same thing. It's sort of like, you know, what else am I going to do? I'm just, I'm legitimately needing to just sit around and not do anything. So might as well exercise my brain and, and get some work done. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, it seems like the Bay area has been agreeing with you. And as we were saying offline, there's just so many great female athletes and male athletes around the area. Yeah. Have you found that it's just a great place to train and, and make oh, connections? It's the best place to train. I've definitely, you know, now that I could feasibly go fully remote, technically I'm not a remote employee right now, so I need to be based out of the Bay, but I've thought about moving out of the area and I just, I don't want to leave. It's too good for where like for the riding and where what I want to be doing with riding right now. I just am always in awe of the riding around here. When yeah. I leave and come back, getting on these roads and the trails, and it always takes my breath away. And I, I feel very motivated, I think, yeah. to, when I'm here. So. Yeah, it's so interesting living in the city, just riding across the Golden Gate Bridge. And San Francisco is such a vibrant city. And then to come into Marin and be able to do a 50-mile loop and essentially be off-road the entire time is just such yeah. a luxury. Yeah, it's you take it for granted sometimes, I think. <laughs> um, I'm like growing up in Vermont, it's similar too, but you don't have the year-round aspect of it. It can go for a gravel, endless gravel rides from my house in Vermont without, you know, ever touching pavement, but you can only do that from May to October and then it's snowy the rest of the time. So being able to ride here year round is, it's pretty special. Yeah. And I think you mentioned this with respect to BWR San Diego. It's like, we don't have those long pedaling miles necessarily. Yeah. Everything's so up and down here yeah. that it, I don't know, it, it feels different on your body. So oh, totally. I, I'm with you when I get into a race with, or an event with a lot of just rolling mile after mile, these long distance things, I'm just not used to pedaling that much yeah. consistently. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to get up further north. This cat on the roof. <laughs> this this winter, get up to Napa, Sonoma, and kind of. I think the riding up there is a little bit more aligned with that. Yeah, I think it's going to describing. Yeah, I think that's going to be more similar to maybe some of the Midwest miles you may get in your racing calendar. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely can be hard to find flat miles around here. <laughs> it doesn't really exist. <laughs> I know that's my my trouble. Like I just there's no easy days, and it's. I mean, yeah. I'm so blessed that like within ten minutes of here, I can be on some trail going uphill. That I just. I want to be off road so much more than I want to be on a road that it's always ends up being uphill. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. feel that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming over and giving yeah. us a little bit of an overview. It sounds like the cat is demanding that this interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we have to listen to my feline Lord up there. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm really glad I was able to come and chat with you in person. Yeah. Best of luck next year. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. Mariah Wilson, may you rest in peace. And here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. <laughs> <laughs>